0: This is a podcast from the Poetry Society. You would go through the British Army checkpoint and then you would go through the guards mm. uh, and finally you'd come to the beach and it was freedom and and lovely. So there was, it always seemed to lead to a beautiful place. Mm.
1: Art as a poet is associated with, uh, I don't know, escaping or uh, disappearing from, from from the scene, which is, of course, something that a lot of Irish poets perhaps do. I am Maurice Reardon, editor of Poetry Review, and I'm talking this afternoon to Colette Bryce, who has poems in the current issue, the autumn issue of Poetry Review. Colette also has a feature essay under the title Umphalus, or Umphilus, and I should perhaps explain that a little bit. It's uh, a response to... Something written by Seamus Heaney, which I'll read. I would begin with the Greek word "umphalus," meaning the navel, and hence the stone that marked the center of the world, and repeat it: "umphalus, umphalus, umphalus," until its blunt and falling music becomes the music of someone pumping water at the pump outside our back door. So I've asked, as uh, editor, I've asked a number of poets to respond to this, to come up with some sort of equivalent perhaps in their own world. Mm -hmm. I was particularly interested in uh, Colette Bryce's response because Colette grew up in Derry in the 1970s and Seamus Heaney was evoking his childhood place, Mossbourne, and that's uh, only about 30 miles away from, from Derry. It's in County Derry. It's on the road to Belfast. And actually, I was just wondering, Colette, if you would have been conscious of that part of the world when you were a child, rural County Derry.
0: Yeah, not so much, surprisingly enough. Our hinterland was Donegal. Mm. And we automatically went over the border to the Inishowen Peninsula in mm. West Donegal. Possibly because my my family, um, some of them came from there. My father's mother came from Guidor, hmm. um, where um, we used to also go for holidays. But those, that coastline was pretty much where we went. It, it's surprising looking back now that we didn't, um, even the, the beautiful Antrim coast in the north, we didn't spend much time there at all. There was a lot of sectarianism at the time. And... I think, yeah, we, we we gravitated more over the border mm. in that's, those days. Yeah,
1: that's interesting, actually, that it might be a kind of a traditional thing for people, if you like, from a nationalist background in, in Northern Ireland to look westward rather than towards Belfast. Do you think that's true?
0: I think it's very true of Derry. Mm. You know, there, there was, it was always a contentious border there, mm. which wasn't really recognised all the time by the nationalist community. So... The border was a very big presence in our lives because we were right on it. You, mm. know? So you,
1: you were safer there too, weren't you, once you were over the border? I guess you felt, I don't know, did you feel that? Safe? Safer?
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if we felt safer, but certainly freer. There was a real, ah, yeah. there was a real psychological shift um, mm. when you got through the checkpoints, you know, mm. because you had to go through this rigmarole every time. Um, so you would go through the British Army checkpoint and then you would go through the guards. Uh, and finally, you'd come to the beach and it was mm. freedom and, and lovely. So there was, it always seemed to lead to a beautiful place.
1: Mm.
0: But, you know, my, a lot of my childhood is obviously in, in the town in a very urban kind yes. of landscape, which I suppose is another difference from, from Seamus Heaney, who returned again and again to his rural starting point, you know.
1: Were you ever on a farm? <laughs> <laughs> as a child, I mean.
0: Well, yeah, but again, it would have been down in Donegal, and yeah, yeah. no doubt. Del- you know, we spent a lot of time in the countryside and at the coast, and yes. uh, down around Gortahork and the the re- region as well, and mm. Uh So we travelled a lot by car um, mm. o- on day trips um, when I was a child.
1: Yeah. Mm. Now, for somebody like me, it's actually extraordinary to think of you growing up in Derry, in Derry City, in the nineteen seventies, because every night it was. It was on the news, and um, it was the center of the world in that sense. And actually, it was after that when I first visited Derry, when, in, in peacetime, as it were. And I was a- amazed at, at the size of it, how, at actually how small it was. It was incredible to imagine all that kind of military activity within, within such a con- con- confined space. I was wondering a little bit about that in relation to your poems, there's one of them called Break, which is about a child's encounter with a soldier. It's a very friendly encounter, where the child goes to buy cigarettes for the soldier. But of course, the adult the adult does not approve approve of that. I'm curious to know a little more how it how it felt. I suppose it was kind of normal, was it, to be in this sort of occupied city?
0: It, it was. It was utterly normal at the mm. time. But looking back it, it's kind of hard it's almost hard to imagine it now when I you know revisit Derry, which I do quite often um, it's a, It's a changed place, but it was it was a very um particular historical moment, wasn't it? Um, mm. And as you say, visually, everyone has those visual images from the media mm. uh, in their mind when they think of it. Uh, for us as children it was a it was a strange upbringing with you know the soldiers crouching in your doorway, and you weren't allowed to speak to them, there's this great, you, yeah. can't, you can't speak to them, but a lot of them were very young men, you know, possibly late teenagers, yeah. and your impulse as a child is to speak to them, and there's a curiosity, obviously, and I think that early poem of mine was drawing on that, and that was that was a real incident that happened, and, they, you know, they would, because they wouldn't, couldn't get served in shops, and they'd try sending in a child, but... It wasn't the done thing. But, yeah, it's kind of hard to describe w- what it was like and also just to, to sort of bypass the, the clichéd images mm. of that time and that place, um, especially as a writer, you know, because obviously that's... As you get older as a writer, you do revisit your mm. childhood landscape more and more, sort of whether you want to or not.
1: In your piece that you've written for the review, I think you, you really do kind of create or suggest the normality of that uh, in a wonderful way another thing that's very present in it is i i guess a sense of communal warmth of family warmth uh you did you do come from quite a big family family of nine nine children as indeed the chemistini so i suppose that might contribute to it would you say that's the case there was that kind of sense of communal warmth as it were
0: uh, definitely it mm-hmm. felt it felt like a very safe place which is you know sounds strange to an outsider but in our communities you knew the codes and you knew what was happening and th- it it never it never really felt personally dangerous um. although there were extremely dangerous things happening all the time but growing up you know as one of of many children was um it was a very warm community. It was open doors. There were mm. loads of children in the streets. So there was mm. a, it was a very outdoors kind of um, mm. upbringing. Uh, mm-hmm. We'd, we'd run, run from morning to night in mm-hmm. the streets and the kind of, you know, the field behind the, yeah. the street and all of that. So, I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a good place in some ways to grow up.
1: At the same time, though, uh, you left. uh, You left it literally, actually, in your poems. uh, I sometimes notice you leaving it too. uh, There's a poem called Form, uh, where it begins, for some time I've been starving myself. Uh, uh, And then that's a bit like Sylvia Platt's Art of Dying, you know, that, uh, that the actual... Art as a poet is associated with, uh, I don't know, escaping or, or uh, disappearing from, fr- from the scene, which is, of course, something that a lot of Irish poets perhaps do. There's that um, Paul Muldoon poem, Why Brownlee Left and Where He Went. is a mystery, <laughs> even, even <though>. now. <laughs> and you do a kind of version of that, actually, in the full Indian rope trick. I think well, not not you, but the narrator uh, disappears up the rope out of out of Derry. In fact, yeah. have, you, have you ever thought about that? that well, happen?
0: well, I have. I suppose there are a few things to pick up on there. the The form poem, I think, um, looking back on that's quite interesting. I wouldn't have been as aware of it at the time, but I did a lot of reading and I spent a long a long time preparing for that poem. And part of it was the hunger strikers. Yes. Protest was it was a very big part of my childhood. I would have been mm. about eleven when the deaths were happening. Mm. Um, so I suppose that's that was imprinted in the minds of my generation very strongly, um, in in graphic detail. You know, mm-hmm. so obviously the poem isn't about a political hunger striker, but but that sense of of disappearing in that way, but also the discipline, that kind of discipline, the, the ancient art of of hunger. Hunger art goes back through Irish history. That sense of, mm. of wrongs been mm. been noted in that way. But and the full Indian rope trick, I think. The more I think about it, it's more emigration, for me and for for a large part of my generation, uh, was another defining, you know, moment in our lives. That there simply, I didn't never felt there was much of a choice got to emigrate if you wanted to, to go and get an education and, and to get work because there simply wasn't any there so as a result I imagine this kind of invisible generation
1: mm. in
0: Derry in those years mm. and it's sad to see that happening all over Ireland yeah. now again you know because yeah. there was a, t- a turn in the tide
1: Those kind of things are deeply imprinted aren't they? Both the, the hunger strike and, and, and indeed the destiny almost of immigration I suppose but you do go back to to dairy quite a lot nowadays don't you so and in writing this piece uh, for the magazine you have uh, kind of gone back and gone back in time in fact it's quite evocative of the 1970s period and and one of the poems in the magazine helicopters actually ties in very much doesn't it with what you're doing in the prose essay perhaps you wouldn't mind linking those reading a bit of one and, and then the poem uh, as well
0: the commission that you gave me was was very timely because the book that I'm working on and just finishing, is probably what you would call an autobiographical collection in as much as it ever is for poets. Mm. So there were a lot of things that linked with poems that I'm working on uh, that came up in this little piece. So I'll just read the first paragraph of Omphalos um, to lead into helicopters. Omphalos, Omphalos, Omphalos. The rhythm of the word that conjured up for Haney the pump in his childhood yard, the Greek term for the centre of things, calls to mind the helicopters hovering over the cityscape of my childhood, a constant part of the soundtrack of growing up. The army would use the racket of propellers to drown out speeches at Free Dairy Corner. So in my mind the blades are related to words, in opposition to our words, slicing up sentences in the wind. And this is the poem, Helicopters. Over time you picture them, after dark, in searches, focusing on streets and houses, close above the churches, or balancing on narrow wands of light. And find so much depends upon the way you choose to look at them. High in the night, their minor flares confused among the stars, they're almost beautiful or from way back, over the map, from where they might resemble a business of flies around the head wound of an animal.
1: Thank you, Colette Bryce. We
0: hope you enjoyed listening to this Poetry Society podcast. To find out more about the Poetry Society and how you can become involved, visit
1: www.poetrysociety.org.uk